think this is where everything finishes up. We just may be at the end of the line. It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. Happy weekend to you. I'm Gary Mans. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Mans and Mitchell in your ears for the hour. And of course, we're joined as ever. I think we're going to get an extra dose of him next week. As yes, a matter we are. Of fact. Tall guy Nathan at the board, our producer on the weekends. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, good morning, Gary and Suzanne. Doing pretty well. And I, whoa, wait. Hey, who turned off the lights? It was so bright earlier. Now it's just all dark. I don't know what happened. Uh, apparently, I guess we just broke our 51-day streak of no measurable uh, rainfall. So it's pretty cloudy out there right now and a little bit of rain and what seemed like following just nonstop sunshine throughout the past 51 days. Very nice. I can very recall nice. my mother quoting others, as a matter of fact, and I'm going back to, oh, man, this would be the late 80s, early 90s, centennial days for Washington State. And I moved up there, just thrilled to at last be a full-time resident of Puget Sound and of Washington State. And my mom said, oh, I know people there that lived there for a while and they just had to leave saying, it does nothing but rain there. <laughs> oh, it's just raining all the time. There, there was even some ad on TV with the moving truck, you know, calling it your range there. You'll have a safe move, yada, yada, and all that. No matter where you move, they showed various parts of the country. And they get to Seattle, and they have the back door open of this moving van, and there's nothing but a flood of water rushing out. And I thought at the time, you know, it has its uses because we know that that's not the way it goes. And that's become increasingly the case. Like 51 straight days, for example, and the heat dome, mm -hmm. which may actually return someday. Who wants that? But there you have it. Well, at least what happened talk... this year is only three days instead of 51. So I'm thankful for that. Hello. And, and so with all this rush of water coming out in a commercial ice think that's pretty good if you're part of the so-called lesser seattle movement some of the old timers know what that means greater seattle versus lesser seattle there was a gentleman named emmett watson who was a promoter of lesser seattle because he just thought it would be a good idea to keep people from flooding in and swelling the population to unmanageable proportions well thank goodness we dodged that bullet in seattle <laughs> Right. No. That's because we didn't. Right. There. No, I can remember reading in a book 1984, and not the book 1984. That's a whole other story. That may be coming true too, <laughs> to a place near you. But um, back in the year 1984, I remember reading that there is an anticipated flood of people swelling the Pacific Northwest, Washington, Oregon, even Idaho, Northern California that this was going to be the trend of the future, but they didn't count on wildfires. They didn't factor in global climate change as we recognize it today. And so now I look at my beloved Seattle in the Northwest there, and I just see a big question mark, Nathan. I really wonder, you know, where is all of this going? And is there anyone in control? Well, at least for now, we do have rain in the forecast, so that can help with those wildfires. Well, definitely. So I, I wish they would get some in California where they're suffering under extreme drought conditions, seemingly perpetually. And uh, I pray for them. I mean, 
Oh, absolutely. I lived in California when I was a child and a teenager in my early 20s. And it's not the state that I left, that's for sure. But then again, what is? Things change. People mm -hmm. change. Circumstances change. And it's a matter of how you interpret them and what you do with what you've got. That brings me to our guest today. What to do, what to manifest with what you've got. What is the hand you've been dealt in life? Would you like to discard? Would you like to bring some, some new influences in or simply use what you have in a better, more productive way? That's the substance of the rest of the hour as we talk with our good friend from Colorado, Ken Elliott. We've got some mad props for him, Suzanne. Ken Elliott is an author and artist living in Castle Rock, Colorado. He has experienced and collected astonishing stories for over 25 years. In a unique and convincing way, Ken learned how thought works, building objects and concepts in the unseen field around each of us. Ken is an accomplished speaker, passing this empowering information on to individuals and groups. We will be sure to give out his website before the end of the hour. And we want to talk to him today about just this very thing. This is his eighth time on Manson Mitchell, and we are thrilled to have him here with us today. So welcome, Ken Elliott. Thank you both for having me on the show. I like your tagline, power up your day. We're going to do that today. We are definitely going to do that today. You know, people want to power up their days. And when Gary and I were talking this morning about you know, things that like where we can start and, and how we can launch into this hour. Um, you know, your, the title of your book is Manifesting One, Two, Three, and you don't need number three. And we've talked about the book before. We always recommend people read it because it is a fabulous book about manifesting. And I was taking a little issue with it this morning, Ken, it seems like in our culture and for thousands of years now, things have always been in threes, one, two, three. Jokes are in threes and, and concepts and philosophies and religions are in threes. And I was thinking today of the process of having a thought and then doing something with that thought putting it, putting the creative juices to it, and then having that thought manifest. So I was kind of looking at as a three-step process, but you say only you need two steps. That's why correct. Is, how, yeah. Why is that? How's, how does the mind work? Just explain it all in a few minutes. Okay. Well, it's just simple. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, uh, 30 seconds. Yeah. It's, it, you know, you have a light switch and it's connected to the power plant. It's hardwired to the power plant. And when we think something, it starts to build it. And I have friends who can watch this happen in real time. And I figure somebody else is going to, this information's out there, somebody else is going to write this book because I'm not the author, right? I am now. But um, so back to light switch, we don't petition the light switch. We don't put sticky notes on the light switch. We don't bow to it. We don't uh, make sacrifices to it, have burning candles around the light switch because we know that it's wired, hardwired to the power plant. And when we hit the switch, the lights will come on. If they don't, there's something wrong with the wiring. It's just that simple. 
it's been demonstrated to me over and over and over and over and over and through the stories that come back in, I have over 300 or so of them on the website, that your thoughts create things. They start to take form like a wisp of smoke, like um, a vapor on the other side. And if you repeat a thought, it doesn't matter if it's a so-called good thought or a bad thought, my friends can watch this take form. And the more you do this and repeat it, the more it becomes more substantial on the other side. And as William Buhlman, the out-of-body author, who was one of the first people to tell me this, he would go to the other side and see the things on his wish list start taking form in different stages of, of uh, um, congeal, congealment, is there a word? Um, and, and I thought, what the heck is that? So if he'd been working on something a short time, it's, it's just a little vapor. If he'd been uh, working on something, you know, looking at every day on a wish list, it would start to get solid physical. It would get more 3D on the other side. And then it would be so 3D, pure color, the whole thing. It's coming over into the physical realm. And this happened over and over and over. And he would give me his wish list, tell me about them, they would come true. I called Judy Goodman after that first call with William. I said, William's seen these things right on the other side, taking, uh, taking form to various degrees, the more he thinks about it. Is that true? She said, yeah, that's true. Now, Judy's someone who sees the other side all the time. This is Judy Goodman, good man, William Buhlman, B-U-H-L-M-A-N. And uh, Judy said, yeah, that's how thoughts work. I said, well, why didn't you tell me? She said, well, you never asked me. I went, well... I just gave you the key to the, to the universe. I mean, we can just stop right here. We're done. Uh, you, if you repeat something over and over and over, it's taking form. Something you worry about, something you aspire to. And here's the secret. If you take a thought and put either love or fear behind it, I'm scared that I can't pay my bills. I'm grateful for this thing that I am making. Uh, it's a lot more powerful. It's a, exponentially more powerful that way. So after lots and lots of field testing, <laughs> I did some amazing things I will never put in the book. Well, well, just amazing things. They weren't wild, but they were really proof of concept things using space and time, um, as well as just real time stuff. Uh, I was convinced this, this works. And um, so what I do with it, uh, nothing. nothing. Do, you, do you make a distinction the way so many do between the brain and the mind is, is the mind in the brain is the mind outside the brain non-local um, when you're working to manifest something um, I, I know you said you know whether it's a good thought or a bad thought you know you can manifest that and people manifest a lot of bad thoughts yes but but what what distinction it do you make between how how thought works? Where where is thought taking place? Is it taking okay. thought? Is it taking place in in or out of the brain? Yes, um, I'm not I'm not a medical doctor. I'm I'm a guy who, as I said earlier, who had this key to the universe, and and I did nothing with it. I just use it for entertainment. I'm going to call Judy and send her things in thought and call up and say, did you get the thing I asked that I sent? And, and it was 100% on. And finally realized that uh, after talking about this all the time, I need to go ahead and write this book. The book finished itself in seven weeks, and I had the copy that you got in your hand 
in seven weeks. So that's pretty amazing. So back to your question, that puff of smoke is reacting, that, that wisp of vapor over there is reacting to something that you thought. So if I want, I don't like to use the word want because I don't want to think that I'm wanting. That's a command. Everything is a command. Everything is a direct command. So if I desire four tires for the car, then I, I may not have the money right now, but I, I realize after doing this that there's money and there's equivalent of money. You can be gifted the tires. You can win the tires. Something happens and you get a windfall and you can, you can get a tire fall. You can get the tires. So I'm thinking about those tires in my future. This is a bonus. You can, your thoughts can manifest the futures. So you go into your future and you have the tires in your car and you're very grateful. That starts to build. If I talk about it, if I speak it, I'm manifesting these tires, or I'm going to have these tires, or I'm looking in the catalogs, I'm looking at these tires. Everything that I do say or think about those tires is another layer of intention. So imagine we have this tire problem. And so I'm looking it up in the catalogs online. I'm talking to friends about it. I'm doing some research. I'm manifesting this thing. I speak it out loud. It's in my thoughts. I see this jingle from the tire store. I can't get that jingle out of my head. I'm going to get those tires, whatever it is. Every one of those things is like taking a sheet of Xerox paper and laying it on the other side. And every time you think, look, say, do about those tires, it's like putting down another piece of paper. And pretty soon, You've got a lot of layers of intention over there. It has a weight on the other side. It builds a form. It starts to make mass. And when the thing is completely 3D and, 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 and solid physical, you can't see it, but I have friends who can, that thing is coming over. It could be the same day. I've, I've had heads up from Judy Goodman, something's coming the next day. And it did. Was not good news, by the way. I said, well, I took care of that. I said, no, you didn't. It's coming over anyway. Nothing you can do about it. Get ready. Bad news. So-called bad news. Another time I had this uh, internet business plan. She called me up and said, uh, are you still interested in doing that business uh, thing on the internet? And I said, no, we're going to let it go. Uh, we can't protect it. There's all these people coming in and doing these things that are going to take too much money to try to put up defenses for. We're letting it go. She said, well, it's almost built. Um, you don't want it? it, it it's starting to go starting to go back into smoke and said, let it go. No, we don't want any more. So she could see it build and then she could see it recede. That's, that's pretty impressive. But that's exactly what thoughts do. So is that happening in the mind? Yes. Is it happening outside the mind? Yes. When you speak it or if it comes to you, it registers in your brain from some sort of commercial, that kind of thing. Yes, 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 yes to all of that. So-called good, so-called bad things. When things are coming forward or receding into the background mm -hmm. what where is that is that another dimension than the one we're living in yes yes it's the i would from the descriptions i got from william we didn't really talk about that exactly probably that what they call the near astral plane it very much parallels what we have here has a lot of physical attributes it's all a construct, as is everything in the physical plane. It's all a construct as well. You know, when you look at Manhattan, or when I look at it, 
I see Manhattan as zillions and zillions of intentions that have formed together and grouped in with architects and and uh, insurance people writing bonds and construction people and all that and these skyscrapers went out of the ground. That's that's thought. Manhattan is thought. Your house is thought. There's nothing in your house that wasn't thought first unless it's growing naturally out of the floor in your living room. You know, even the plants, they came from a nursery. That was thought to form that nursery. A pencil was a tree. How much, how many thousands of, tens of thousands of man hours it take to get that tree and turn it into a pencil? It's immense how much thought there is to create form in the physical realm. But over there, there is no physical resistance. Thought is instantaneous. And it does build. And when I'm over there, I can just say ice cream cone. I've got one. What that, well, that, that tells me, Ken, is that there is a plasticity of thought that is applicable according to human needs and desires. That, that's my basic understanding of it. There, there's something that has to be malleable in a thought form in order for it to manifest in a recognizable way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that plasticity thing. Yes. Um, I won't go into this, but I did have a, a, an instance one time where uh, they want to do a regression thing to get some memories. And uh, I got sidetracked on that, and I was in this void. It was a dark void to infinity in all directions. And I could sense around me these particles. Couldn't see them, but I could sense them. And, I, and it's one of those things where people have this all-knowing thing, blah, blah, blah. I didn't care about the all-knowing thing. I was there and there was nothing else and it was up to me to make something. Uh, and so I sensed these particles and they would immediately act on my thought. And I was very careful about what it was I'm going to do. And if I walked up on either one of you and you're in this void and you got your hand on your chinny chin chin and you're thinking about what to make, I, I'm probably going to get away from you as fast as I possibly can because you might say something crazy like, let there be light and I'd be obliterated. <laughs> I was in a place where there was nothing but pure potential. And, and I'm such a bright bulb. I was thinking about that again some weeks later. And I went, you know what? I wasn't the center of that. Yeah, I had this all-knowing thing. Like I said, so what? But who made those particles? That was not my chemistry set. I was allowed to co-create anything to make something. And I went through these ideas about, I'm going to make a new kind of light and dark or a new kind of gravity or a new kind of biology. And I, I put all those aside. I just couldn't come up with it. But I did decide that I would create companions. I didn't hit the switch. But I would allow them to co-create anything I could co-create, or otherwise I'd be bored to death with my own creations. So that's a strange little sideline story, but it does illustrate at least something was shown to me about these particles or whatever you want to call them that will interact with thought. And that is my sort of handle on this that I got to see visually. You wanted to ask about the artist process, Gary. Yes, I did. Maybe this is a good time to do it too. Thanks, Suzanne. You're an artist, an accomplished artist. Your stuff sells. So I know you're accomplished. You have people who you're in demand <laughs> as an artist. You yes. do portraits, you do landscapes, and perhaps other works as well. I see them posted on Facebook, and you always uh, succeed in that, that endeavor as well as others. Here's what I want to know. 
mm-hmm. and anybody who is taking this up or returning to it, I'll bet there are a lot of our listeners who have tried manifesting. Yeah, you know, the uh, law of attraction. I started trying to manifest abundance. Yeah, I did that. And it was okay for a while. And then something, something intervened and just I haven't been back to that in a long time. But is there a process that you use as an artist mm-hmm. and you've got that that blank canvas and you're ready to paint. Is there a process you use that is at least somewhat analogous to the kind of process we all use when we imagine things happening to us or for us, whether they be good, bad, or or indifferent based on our interpretation? Are there some similarities as to how you go about the business of manifesting the same as you would painting a painting? Okay, well, I'm taking a bigger view so let me break that down. When I'm manifesting, I, I do go into my future because your thoughts can build a future. So why, why wouldn't I do that? Why wouldn't I try to make this idyllic thing? So I had a thing, I was struggling as an artist. It's, it's still a struggle. They don't, they're not all good all the time. You know, you have to put them away, work on them, really put the effort in. They don't come easy for me. Um, so I was... Uh, manifesting success. So I would, uh, even though I was struggling, my success rate wasn't very high in terms of, you know, finished pieces and my sales rate was less than that. So I manifested that I was in my future. Now, most of my future, these manifesting things I do, I'm in my chair at the end of the day or sometime during the day. And um, these things have already happened. So I'm in my future, and in my future, I go down to my studio. Now, I'm visualizing this from the chair. Um, Let me back up. I'm I'm going to confuse people. I I can manifest success in my chair. In my future, I'm a successful artist. There it is. I don't have to see anything. And I'm so grateful. I put that gratitude behind that thought. In my future, I'm a successful artist. And I can do that from my chair. Now, in this particular case, where we're going, I'll come back to that now. I did a visual. So in my future, I'm walking down the stairs to my studio and I go in there and it's filled with large paintings, very good paintings. I'm very successful. And the room is filled with paintings. Now I wasn't painting three by five foot paintings and four by six paintings and things like that. I was doing smaller things. And um, I couldn't see what these paintings looked like. They were glowing white. They were all aglow. And I did that for a couple of months. And I got a call from an art consultant, somebody who, you know, a corporation will say, we need art for our our three-story office. They'll call a consultant. So she wanted to come by and look at my work, do a studio visit. I'm walking down the stairs. Uh, She's following me. I go into the studio, and it hit me. The studio was full of large paintings, good paintings. I hadn't noticed it. And I was sort of in shock. It happened. I didn't realize it, it had happened it, until that moment. And the studio has been like that ever since. Uh, so that was something that was a surprise to the guy who was building it every day. Uh, and, but I didn't notice it until I brought somebody else into the space. Um, now, in terms of creativity or in terms of anything, you can manifest tires. You can manifest concepts. So if it's creativity in whatever form I want it, I would uh, simply, uh, for me, I would just visualize that I'm in, the, oh, I'd be sitting in my chair and I'd close my eyes and I would uh, 
say I'm in my future. And in my future, I'm a very creative and successful person. And the creative, creative uh, impulse just flows from me. And it's something that's become second nature for me. And I'm, I'm very happy and successful as a creative person. And I'm so grateful. Simple as that. Simple as that. And that worked for happiness, all sorts of things. I mean, that if you can manifest anything, I won't say this book is the end-all, do-all, and you can get a lot of nuances from other people that have different approaches to manifest, and we're all talking about the same thing. The difference with this book is that I had it demonstrated to me and have friends who can watch the things you think take form in real time, and I haven't read that anywhere else. So I support everybody else's uh, advice and, and nuances and manifesting, every one of them. It's all good advice. Let's go ahead and take our break now. When we come back, I love getting into the nuts and bolts. So if we're going to continue this conversation with Ken Elliott, let it be on the basis of the stories that inspire us to take action and then some more details about what actions we should take for our own behalf and for the benefit of those whom we love. That's how we influence the world, at least that much of the world that we can reach, even on Zoom, even on the phone, even when we have to socially distance that does not make us less powerful ken elliott's book is called manifesting one two three and you don't need number three that's the subtitle manifesting one two three and you don't need number three ken elliott is our honored guest of the hour give us a couple of minutes we'll be back with more of this manifestation business more stories and more how to right here on manson mitchell you're tuned into am 1150 stay with us Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world-famed, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is manceandmitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. 
On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Jeffrey Mark, go-to expert on classic movies and TV. He talks about the era of subversive comedy, including some very familiar names of the 60s and 70s. On Saturday, Josie Varga returns with more stories about the transition from one dimension to another and the communications between those dimensions. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Alternative Talk, 1150 on AM, 98.9 HD3 on HD, 1150kknw.com on the web. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Ken Elliott from Castle Rock, Colorado. He's in that Rocky Mountain area. Ken, uh, people may want to get your book, which we've talked about several times, and it's on our bookshelf and one of our favorites. They also might want to take a look at some of your artwork. So where would be the places that our listeners could go to to learn a little bit more about you and your book and your art? Well, the book is at www.manifesting123.com. And please sign up for that newsletter. Twice a month, I put out another story or some sort of informational um, help. And we've got one of those coming up. We may talk about that by the end of the segment here. And my artwork, I don't do portraits, but I do a lot of landscapes. Um, my art website is www.kenelliot.com, and that's two L's and two T's in Elliot. So thank you for that. All right. And then you were saying, what was the other thing you were saying about your newsletter? Let's, let's tell them now. Get people to sign up for your newsletter. Okay, well, let's go up to the manifesting123.com and you'll see places where you can sign up for the newsletter. Okay. And the book, by the way, is available as a um, as paperback mm-hmm. and the audible book. I did the narration on that. And oh, you, you can did? get it, you can get it as an ebook. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Manifesting123.com. I'm very glad you're enjoying a wide readership or listenership for this too, Ken, because this is, this is the news that you can use. Right. It certainly is. And you know, I, I have so many friends and acquaintances who one went to a Goodwill store and bought it for a buck and, and it was a life-changing thing. It, it does change lives. And um, I'm humbled at the stories that come through and, and some are small they don't all change people's lives, but they just smack you in the face. Uh, at least the people that had these things happen. Um, sometimes they're, they, they happen in seconds. Sometimes they happen in a day. Sometimes they evolve over a longer length of time. I still have things I've been working on. They haven't happened, but along the way, I can see a thread and I'm, I guess I'm still in, in process. Maybe when I'm um, uh, in a better place to receive those things, they will come. It, it you know, it's, if I'm 14 years old and I want a Maserati, I'm manifesting that. I, I might get a Maserati poster. I might get a model. But uh, maybe the powers that be aren't going to give me the car keys to a Maserati as a 14-year-old. That would be a little deadly for me. You know, that's a good point because I, I made a note and I was thinking earlier that, you know, we can declare a lot of things, but if if we're not in that kind of a powerful place, we're not getting everything instantaneously like instant coffee. It, there's a building process. And I, I think of that as the creative medium, the building process of, of visually looking at something, talking about it, seeing a billboard, hearing it on the radio, 
you know, that building process is taking everything that is like your thought and, and putting it all together. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, and so when people say, well, you know, I, I didn't get what I was thinking about. I didn't get the thing I intended. Um, you know, then there's, there's something where it just hasn't completely built up yet. And it was interesting earlier, you said when you were ready to let something go, it was receding into the background. Mm -hmm. So now I'm thinking the process isn't necessarily a straight line from thought to manifesting there. It could, there could be a building and a receding and a building and a receding, depending on the thoughts you have about that thing. Right. And how you act and what you say. Remember that everything you're doing and saying and thinking is an intention. It's another piece of Xerox paper laying on, on the other side over there. And I've heard that admit, described as a form of prayer, Ken. There, that If yeah. every word you speak is an intention, that becomes your prayer, functionally speaking. Sure, sure. Um, are those intermingled? Uh, in talking with Judy Goodman, she can see prayers go, and she's been seeing the other side since she was a kid. She can see prayers go out as, as colored ribbons. And the prayers, I'll use the word categories. If it's something about health, it's something about this thing or that thing, that ribbon will have a different color. So, so that is a different thing from forming uh, the manifesting thing we're talking about, but they certainly can. When you have a prayer, that's an intention. They overlap, they overlap to some degree. I haven't had a tour of the prayer office, um, but I've got a lot of knowledge about the manifesting thing. <laughs> but I agree with you. All of those things are intentions. So watch what you're doing, what you're saying. And I'm going to do this very, very quickly because I'll remiss if I didn't. The one, two, three. Number one is imagine you're in a movie in your future. We touched on that. We're just going to call it a movie. And in your movie, these things have already happened in your future. Or you can visualize things in your movie scenario. Number two is about fear. And I can't tell people, just don't worry about it. Don't be afraid anymore. We're just, it just doesn't work that way. But when you come into fear, take action on the fear. I'm worried that I'm going to lose my job. Okay, let's take action on that. First of all, uh, you write uh, some things and go to your boss and say, uh, uh, here are some things that I'm going to make uh, myself of more work to the company. Number two, I'll call a mentor. Number three, you know, number four, you'll take action on the, this idea. You're worried about losing your job. Number three, we are very, 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 very powerful. We, I can't tell you how many times people have gone to the other side and they're near death experiences or this thing and that thing. And they're, they're just amazed at how powerful they are. We don't need number three. We're powerful. It's just a, it's just a gimmick. You don't need number three. It makes for a good title. We're very powerful. You don't even need a book if you bind to the fact that you're very powerful. But uh, that's not how it works here on Earth. So that's the one, two, three. And you don't need number three. Let me tell you a story and we'll see if it resonates with you and hopefully with many of our listeners. This is one of those that in certain circles would be called a master demonstration. And it made an impression on me that uh, clearly hasn't gone away because I'm about to talk about it. And it has to do with seeing the possibilities in the most affirming way, in the most purely positive way, rather than treating something as a a wish 
or a pipe dream of some sort, but actually seeing a possibility of your own good manifesting. I took a trip back in the early 90s, went four years in a row to Hawaii. I was really enamored of the place and I would love to get back there again. I have not been with Suzanne Mitchell and I certainly want to uh, join her hand in hand walking the sands of Waikiki. That's an image, that's an intention, that's a prayer. But on this occasion in the dim and distant past, I still recall clearly budgeting for a rental car before we ever flew out of Seattle. And I thought, okay, this is going to be a tight budget. We're throwing together some money and we'll, we'll get over there. I was in another relationship at the time. And so when we get to Honolulu, I learned something, which is what looks good when you are budgeting looks like not enough when you're actually there. <laughs> I'm in Honolulu, man. I'm looking at the tower at the airport, the storied Honolulu airport. And I'm at this kiosk to rent a car and it's out in the sun. The, the heat is beating down on us, you know, and I've got my uh, white t-shirt and my hat on and I'm just waiting for my rental car, my little putt-putt that's going to get great gas mileage and it didn't cost us very much money. Only problem is no car. There are no cars turned in at that point. So oh, this little no. light bulb goes on over my head. How would you feel and what would you say to the universe if you were offered a free upgrade to a convertible? Right now, I got no car. So what would I say if that were to happen? And so I just pondered a couple of seconds there. And I said to myself, I would say, thank you, Spirit, for making this wonderful thing happen and making my vacation all the more enjoyable. Yes, I could say that. I could mean that. Absolutely. So I sat there and uh, the sun's beating down and there's still no car return from the people who were overdue there. And this went on for another five minutes where I just contemplated, yeah, I'd be pretty thankful about that for sure. And a nervous lady who was very kind there and obviously mindful of the time motioned me over to her desk at the kiosk and nervously asked me, because sir that person was supposed to return that car that you had rented hasn't shown up yet we're not sure when it's coming back would it be all right if we gave you a free upgrade to a convertible today <laughs> and i thought about it <laughs> why yes that would be lovely that's very kind of you i would be happy to accept that upgrade thank you so much and as we were waiting for them to pull it into position because it was on the way and then very soon thereafter it was and they were getting ready looking through cleaning it out you know getting it ready for us and uh, before she handed me the key i remember thinking you have to be thankful be grateful okay don't be ungrateful that's not a good thing to do so i gave thanks to spirit in my own private way nothing splashy but simply saying thank you spirit for making this wonderful thing happen. It's going to enhance my vacation greatly to have this convertible for a week. Thank you, thank you, thank you, spirit. And uh, my girlfriend at the time was utterly stunned because she thought we were just, you know, not going to have this car, something had gone wrong and you know how you default into a negative possibility. We all do it there. And I just told her, got it covered. Spirit has it covered. She was not of the metaphysical mindset, so it seemed like gobbledygook to her. But she mm -hmm. rode around for a week, shotgun in a convertible. <laughs> that you didn't pay any extra money for. Not a dime more. Not only did you get the car, 
like almost on command, but uh, it was like the equivalent of money to get the upgrade. Cost you nothing extra. This was real value added. Yes, the equivalent of money. Very important concept to know about. So having had this experience, I'm wondering, and I'm saying this presumptively, I, I have to say, Ken, that um, I can only assume that you've had similar experiences. Maybe they didn't involve a car in Hawaii, but meeting the right person to further your career as an artist, or maybe a, a connection that got you into the home that you now live in so luxuriously. Yes, so so many of those. Um, I, I was very meticulous. I would make these little notes about what I call coincidences before I did this manifesting thing. And finally, there were there's so many things going on, particularly after the manifesting thing, I stopped jotting them down. If, if they're worthy enough, I don't, I'm not worthy, but if they're uh, reasonable enough that you can attach meaning to them uh, for the public, I'll use them You know, in the manifesting newsletter. Um, yeah, there's, there's so many of these, I like the instant ones um, and, and the fairly quick ones. I guess one of them, and there were two people that had this happen, I'll just explain one of them. Someone who had glaucoma, she went to my class and after the class, she was 70-ish. Uh, she said, uh, it was an art class and I talked about manifesting after. And she said, you know, I'm an artist and I'm losing my sight. I have this glaucoma and, um, and I'm, I'm, it's, it's, you know, not getting any better. And uh, what should I do? And I'm not a medical doctor, but I gave her what we had talked about here to go into your future and that the glaucoma is not a problem. I didn't say to cure that it's not a problem. And I said, where's it now? She said, well, I can see, but it is it's deteriorating. So I'm very concerned about it. And that was it. And, you know, I put a prayer behind it and my intention, and I did what I could do. And um, I didn't call the Pope. Um, I just did what I could do. And it was uh, some weeks later, she got back to me and she said, uh, I want to tell you, I went to the doctor and he did an exam with me and he said, your glaucoma is, uh, has an advance. It's every six months. And there's a steady rate of advancement on this thing. She said, it, he said, it stopped. We're going to do this test. No, I want you to go to another doctor and do this testing. And she did. And it, it had stopped and it has subsequently stopped. And I had another friend had the same thing on glaucoma. Before I wrote it up, I went to the National Glaucoma site and in big letters in the middle of the page, it says glaucoma is not curable. And the doctors both said, this is miraculous. So uh, I like that. And I'm not here touting miracle cures. I'm very, very very reticent to do that. But that was one of those things that was a little bigger than usual and happened with two different people. Um, and there are so many of those instant ones. Um, I just love them. I, I, my grandmother died. So I had to get a quick plane flight and I secured one. I'm in between two airports. And uh, so uh, my wife at the time took me to the Denver airport. I showed up and uh, roll my bags up. And the guy said, you're at the wrong airport, man. You're, you're an hour and a half from the other airport. I was in between the two and I went, oh my God, I'm gonna miss my flight. So I ran to the other airport and uh, got there. A huge line, I've gotta get my, uh, I've gotta get checked in here. And uh, I've missed the flight actually at this point. In a big line, I asked my wife, go to these other ticket counters, see if you can find something. She came back, yeah, Continental Airlines got one for $1,800 or $1,200 today. I finally make my way up to the Frontier ticket counter. 
And the woman uh, looked at the ticket and said, I'm the dumbest guy in Colorado. I, I missed my flight. I went to the wrong airport. And she started telling me, she says, oh, well, that's interesting. And I'm manifesting that I get there somehow. And the money, I don't care. I just want to get there. I need this flight today. And she's clicking along. She said, oh, well, that's interesting. Starting today, that flight is coming to you. You can't miss that flight. It goes to Denver first, and now it has an added on leg starting today, and it will take you to your destination, and you have another 45 minutes to wait for the flight and uh, have a nice lunch. <laughs> it's great when it works. The flight yeah. is coming to you. I love that one. You can't miss yeah. this flight mm. for, no, for no extra charge. Yeah. That's wonderful. I love those stories. I do too. I do too. Um, I got a story to tell please about please, yeah. uh, manifesting. And that was that um, a week ago last night, Gary and I were scheduled to have dinner with another couple who we had never met. And they were coming in from Orlando. And we made the arrangement some weeks ago, because there's a brand new restaurant in Sarasota, a nice restaurant, a fine dining restaurant. And we wanted to meet them at that restaurant. And they got a hotel near that restaurant. And talk about, uh, you know, not thinking completely all the way through to uh, the logical conclusion. We didn't make any reservations. So we're calling up that morning for a fine dining restaurant. And I looked online and Gary called up. And there were no reservations available until Sunday, and we were having dinner Friday night. Mm. So Gary and I planned uh, to meet them at the restaurant and then go to a different restaurant, also close by. We got there extra early. We were all dressed up. And we went up to the desk and said, has there been a cancellation? Is it possible that we could have dinner here tonight? And they said, absolutely not. We are completely full up. Our, our first available is going to be on Sunday. Mm. And so I said, well, we're just going to wait for our friends here. And so we waited and waited and waited. And nice, sweet girl came up to us. And she said, uh, are you looking for a table? Yes. Table for two? No. Table for four. We're meeting friends here. Oh, Okay. So then she walked away, leaving Gary and I standing there. Pretty soon the friends show up, people we've never met before. They go up to the desk and they say, we've got a seven o'clock reservation. And the desk is saying to them, no, you don't. You don't have a reservation. And so we're meeting them as they're finding out that there is no reservation. And uh, finally, we're all just kind of standing around and this same sweet girl comes up to us once more and says, um, we have a table for walk-ins. And I told my manager, I know who I want to give it to. Oh. And so we got in at the time we wanted to get in and had dinner without a reservation. <laughs> Fine okay. dining. And they said, generally, people book out about two months. Oh, about two gosh. months. And yeah. just to put a cherry on the icing here, we got the booth, which at least from my perspective, was the seating, the very seating arrangement I would have chosen if I owned the place. Oh, my gosh. Love that. 
And I've been at restaurants twice where something happened. One time there was a drip from an air conditioning vent that dripped on the table. They cleared it and we got a free meal. Uh, last week, two weeks ago, uh, another expensive place, somebody had a tray of glasses that slipped off and broke and the glass shattered and went all over the place, up onto our table, cleared it, comped the meal, brought, brought the food and we we're only halfway through, dessert, a whole bit. And, and this, it was a gift from these people to us and so the gift was uh, free. It was on the house. Love that. Wow. You didn't have to fake a heart attack. <laughs> no, I know that movie. I told him about that movie. Spies Like Us. I love that movie. <laughs> that, that also happened. Uh, oh, Magnum Force, I think was the name of it. Uh, with um, It was one of the Dirty Harry movies. Okay. Where he's just on the beat in San Fran. And, and this guy who is just, you know, kind of a low life character around town fakes a heart attack and so he got the free meal and he gets rousted by dirty harry who didn't make him pay for it by the way so there's there's some <laughs> ambiguity in his ethics there this man of the street with a yeah. big gun you know we weren't upset about not having that reservation we knew we had to meet the people at the restaurant because that was the arrangement we had made in advance we'll see you at the restaurant we're each right. taking our own car and we'll see you there and and we we picked out an alternate okay well here's where we'll go when we get them but interestingly enough ken even though we were told multiple times that you know we there was no room that you mm -hmm. know we, we didn't have a table gary held to the fast the fact that that's where he wanted to eat yes yes and he was standing in the lobby with me first alone and then with the other couple as we're kind of giggling and saying, oh, you know, we didn't think we weren't thinking and we didn't get a reservation. We didn't even mm -hmm. try until today. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were slightly embarrassed and Gary kept saying he wanted to eat there. I yeah. really like to eat here. I like it. I mean, so that there was no angst about it. There was no anger. I wasn't you know, angry at Gary or the situation or anything that, that we had flubbed up. I, you know, I just said, well, when, when they get here, we'll let them know that, you know, we messed up and we're going to go somewhere else. So there was no negative emotion about it. There's, there was yeah. no fear. There was no anger. It's like, well, when they get here, we'll just tell them and then we'll go to yeah. this other place. But we Gary stood there and said, well, this is where I'd really like to eat tonight. Do, you, do we have time for a, a, a Whopper example of that kind of thing? Sure. We've got about four minutes. Go for it. Yep. I'll go real fast then. A friend of mine, uh, bad conditions going up in the ski country, ran off the road, went down, down, down. Very bad accident. Uh, she's had, um, 25 years later, I think she's had over 20 surgeries. So this was a <sighs> bad crash. Wow. And so the first time she's in the hospital, she'd been there for a long time. Uh, weeks, a uh, team of doctors, she's busted up all over the place. You know, she's praying, you know, she didn't, she didn't know about the manifesting thing, but she's in the prayers. She's visualizing this. She's holding fast that she's going to be well uh, on her back. And she's got a team of doctors, all the same intentions. And the doctors now are at the point where they're huddling outside the hallway and they're considering the idea of amputating her leg. That would be the best course at this point. A doctor is another doctor outside of her team is going down the hallway. He hears a snippet. He asks the doctors what's going on. 
He said, I think I can fix this. We're going to look at the charts with your permission. He tells her he can save that leg if she'll give him permission. He did save the leg. Cut now to last year, late last year. Um, many more surgeries later. We're getting down to the place where she's having difficulty with her spine. Here we go again. We got a team of doctors. They want to put a rod in her spine, so she's going to be totally erect, difficult to sleep, difficult to sit, difficult to do all this and that because you have this rod that will will simply support your spine in one position. Team of doctors outside in the hallway. She's now manifesting. She's praying. She's doing everything under the sun. And the team that's been on her side with this, and they still are, they think best practices is to put this rod in her spine. A doctor's on his way off duty going by. Here's a snippet in the hallway. Says, can I talk with your patient? Goes in there and he says, I can, I can keep you from getting this rod if you'll give me permission. He did the job. So twice, this, this team of doctors with her has been interrupted by another doctor and, and saved, saved her from her leg and this rod as a result of uh, everything she could throw at the problem. That's pretty impressive. It seems to me that in this business of manifesting our best and highest good for ourselves or others, it's important not to make too much of the word no. And I've got about a minute to clarify here. Sometimes no is no. And if you can stand to hear the word no and understand that many times it's definitive, mm -hmm. then let that be the final word. But many times no means something more like slow or not time to go. And mm -hmm. so you persist in your vision. It can happen mm -hmm. in the course of a single dinner seating, or it can happen over a matter of years. But what I found is that anybody who tells themselves, it's okay to hear the word, no, I'm going for what or whom I want and let life guide you. You follow, let spirit do the leading. You will find yourself living a quality of life that you couldn't have imagined even a short time before. Yeah. I wanted to underscore that. Um, Settling for the best and highest good, that sounds like a really good place to land. <laughs> well said. I want to give out the title of your book again. Uh, it's There was a time when it was selling like hotcakes. It's been around a little while and it still sells. Manifesting one, two, three, and you don't need number three. Ken Elliott, E-L-L-I-O-T-T. -T is the author of this wonderful book. It's a thin volume, but it is packed with useful meaning. What a joy. Ken, we always love having you on eight times. Can't wait for number nine. Let's do it. And uh, uh, let's take this key to the universe and put it to good use. Well Absolutely. Said. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. It's always a joy. All right. Stay tuned for Jupiter Rising and join us again next Friday. Next Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific, always online. Check your local time zone, 1150kknw.com. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a great weekend.